Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. This is being recorded live on Clubhouse, and that very special guest is Sam Sheffer. Sam, how are you? Um, I'm a bit tired, if I'm being honest. I've been spending way too much time on Clubhouse, like last night and the night before. I told myself, I was like, all right, I'm not going to go, you know, on Clubhouse after midnight. And there it was, you know, 2, 3 a.m., on Clubhouse, and I'm like, do I need to move to a different time zone? Because like, this is just, this is just, it, it feels so addicting right now. Like, it, it's it drives such a sense of FOMO. Like, if there's a cool room and you're not in there, you're like, dang, I want to be in there. Like, the, you know, the Rogan room. You know, these these rooms that fill up so quick. But anyway, uh, glad to be here, um, Buster. I wanted to ask you. Um, this, you have this Buster show with this little green house icon. What does that mean? So it's a club. Um, it's, it's something that you can request within the app once you've hosted the same type of room a couple different times. For those that are listening to the audio, if you do have a clubhouse account, um, and you have to have an iPhone to have Clubhouse. But if you do have a Clubhouse account, you can search groups. Uh, and the Buster Show is is the one that I was able to get for the podcast. And you have to apply for it? Yeah, you have to apply and, and get approved. If you want one, I can help you get it. But um, but yeah. <laughs> so you were just like, you were just doing your, your, your Buster Show podcast like over and over and over. And then it's sort of like you cemented the idea or the room like in a, in a sort of real way with clubhouse well i did a couple of them and then i i submitted it and they had seen probably that i did a couple of them so it increased my chances of getting it approved by a bunch um, so you can't just i can't just make one of these and, and have a club honestly you can try and it might work um that's okay. just the way that i did it got it okay so like good time and you know the gratitude room and all these other places like those are sort of official, you know, clubhouse clubs, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all, okay. they're all, they're all clubs. I think that that is the proper um, verbiage, but, but yeah. <laughs> so okay. I want to ask, what are you, what are you most excited about these days? Obviously you said clubhouse and I definitely feel uh, I'm on the same page. And I, I will also say as somebody who's been in three different time zones while on Clubhouse in the last two months, the time zones don't make a difference. Um, <laughs> but but B, I, I want to know what what gets you the most fired up these days? Is it is it the YouTube videos you're making? Is it being here on Clubhouse? What gets you the most excited? Um, from like a, a work perspective, from a, a life perspective, like is this is this a personal or professional question, Buster? This is either I I in my head personal. There's no difference between personal and professional, <laughs> but answer it however you'd like. I want to know what you're excited about. Um, I I am sort of a, I'm sort of a sucker for just new technology. I I try and keep my finger on the pulse and to kind of get ahead of the curve and trends and that kind of thing and. Over the last 10 years, we've really seen, you know, smartphone ubiquity happen. Like when I was a freshman in college in 2008 and I had my iPhone 3G, 
it was a very different time, you know, sort of back then where tech was and where social was and mobile internet was. And then, you know, 10, 12 years later, we're sitting here, you know, we all have, uh, you know, a, a lot of us have iPhones. We're all, you know, sort of consumed by our devices throughout the day. Like, I'm sure, Buster, your screen time is high. Mine's quite high. Uh, but that's just sort of like the nature of, you know, doing doing internet businesses in 2021. What I'm excited for is... Um, the next wave of what this looks like where you know we sort of get rid of the screens in our hands there's a term called spatial computing i've heard it been referred to as ambient computing um people are calling it you know mixed reality augmented reality but i'm sure you've heard the rumor apple's you know working on a set of you know smart glasses and what that looks like, I have no idea. They've been rumored to be doing a VR headset too, but um, there's another company, Humane, that I've been uh, sort of keeping an eye on. There, uh, it's like 20 former Apple employees that are uh, starting a, you know, sort of seemingly starting fresh on what it means to like use an operating system as a human being. Their website's kind of like cryptic and uh you know sort of like spacey it's hu.ma.ne i don't know if i spelled that right but it's humane with dots in between um and i'm just kind of excited to see you know in 10 years like are we still going to be holding phones in our hands the same way we're holding phones in our hands right now or we're all going to be in some sort of headset or like glasses because i used google glass back in the day 2014 2015 um and while it was cool like the the sort of tech limitations battery life you know processor that you know the, the physical limitations um kind of held it back but um if if there's one company that i think is going to do it right it's probably going to be apple because they usually wait until the tech has like kind of been tried out by a bunch of others and then they they come in and they say, we've invented this. Meanwhile, they just like executed on it better. Um, so to answer your question, um, I would say uh, like spatial computing and ambient computing. Um, I have a Magic Leap headset. It's cool. The tether is annoying, like the physical wire that's connected to the computer disk. But like, you know, in two, three years, Buster, when I'm back on the Buster show um, and I'm in my Apple Glass headset, I can be like, yeah, this is what I was looking forward to. Dude. That was a fantastic answer. And I'll just say, I, I've never been a huge tech guy per se. I'll get the newest iPhone. I'm a normal, I'm a normal human in that regard. But in December, I got the Oculus and the Oculus 2. And I have been obsessed. Oculus, the, the Quest. Yeah, the Quest 2. The Quest 2. The, like the, the, it's the white one. Exactly. Um, and now I look at all, I look at the sports cards that I'm buying on eBay within Oculus. Um, using the browser in there, dude, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Most people, it's kind of hard to understand what it's like to use, you know, a VR headset. Um, like if, if you're trying to explain it, even to the audience in the room, Buster, how would you, how would you explain what it looks like in there? It's, it's kind of hard to do. I mean, the best way that I could describe it would be uh, similar to like uh, a ride at Disney, <laughs> like a like yeah. one of those rides that um, that that like goes slow, but 
it's 360 around you and you know you get like spun around a little bit um not not that like it makes you nauseous or anything like that but that's that's the closest thing in my head that everybody has experienced that um it it resembles but you know being in there obviously there are some limitations that kind of hurts your neck after a, a long enough while and it's very isolated so it, you know oculus is not conducive to relationships um or things like that so you know there there are some limitations there you know watching things by yourself great like i'm saying great for a single person but um obviously more general applications can be limited um so i i think but it, it all in all it makes me believe that that is at some point going to be you know as it gets better as it gets smaller as it gets lighter dude that's the future yeah. there's no denying it yeah yeah it, it, it's almost like you know with all of these you know introductions of new you know, just sort of hardware pieces of technology, like, you know, I'm sure in the 80s, you know, when computers were first starting to come out, like, people were like, why do you need one of those? Like, you already have a TV in your house, you know, you don't need another screen. And then, you know, when laptops and, and cell phones and, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the sort of trend just feels like everyone kind of questions it and then all of a sudden everyone is just doing it you know like people laughed at apple what what in what world does apple think that they can make a smartphone you know and and literally within 10 years which it seems like a long time but in the tech world it, i mean i guess it kind of is but yeah within 10 years like apple changed the world you know like there are there are apps like clubhouse that are thriving strictly because it's iphone only right now you know and like i i vividly remember people you know just like really writing um the iphone off and i will admit even i did i was in it was 2007 when you know they they announced it it was at MacWorld. it was in a glass case and i i really wrote it off i was like a touchscreen smartphone like how is that even gonna work and then what really got me was um, a friend of mine had it and we were um, looking, I, I went to Rutgers University and we were on, it was like, uh, we were like touring the college beforehand and we were on a bus together. This is a friend from high school and he had an, uh, an original iPhone and he handed it to me and he was in, I guess it was Google Maps back then when Google... Um, had their partnership um like when you bought the iphone it had google maps pre-installed um the little blue blip like that follows you you know like when you're in a maps application right. that blew my mind i was like oh my god this has like gps in it this is so cool and then um also te uh, threaded text messages like with the flip phones it was just you had hundreds of messages just like in your inbox there was no you know, sort of threaded where like the name and the contact and your, all of your messages are in one thread. That was a new thing for me. So those two things, you know, those simple like user experience, um, little nuances really convinced me. And now, yeah, here we are 12 years later. So uh, it's, it's, it's awesome to hear you so excited about Oculus. You know, that's some, that's a tech that I've been, you know, uh, you know, I remember when that was, um, Palmer Lucky's um, Kickstarter project, you know, then they were bought by Facebook for, I think it was like $2 billion. And uh, so a lot crazy. of the versions were, it's so crazy how like quickly the tech evolves and, you know, it, it sort of makes sense 
um, to me at least. But yeah, we'll have to see how widespread, you know, like obviously the cheaper, the more, you know, the lower the barrier of entry is. I was just going to say the, the, the fact that Buster, your first, uh, you know, uh, personal VR purchase. Um, well, I want to ask, have you tried VR before Oculus? Never, and I'm glad okay. that I haven't. <laughs> okay. So, so your first exposure is at a like a pretty mature state where like you don't have to set up the beacons in your room. You don't need a super powerful gaming PC. You don't have the tether. Like the tether was a big turnoff for me. Like I tried the Oculus. Um, oculus rift where you needed the powerful computer you needed the beacons the base stations like it was a it was a you know uh sort of you had to jump through hurdles to get it to work and for you to spend i think it's like 300 which is like relatively cheap i would say for good vr and there's effectively no setup well yeah you have to do the guardian thing you have to touch the controllers to the floor like there's the initial five minute setup but man, the fact that you can open that thing, no computer required, no cable connecting you, like that is awesome. And so I'm curious to see really what that looks like because the, the technical limitations of VR is like you want to be fully immersed. You know, you need to have like a fully enclosed headset, you know, and, and with augmented reality, no one's really nailed it yet. You know, I spent two grand on Magically only for it to like, you know, it works, it's cool, it's like a fun, like when, when friends come by the studio, I'm like, yo, you should check out the Magic Leap, and they play it right. for like 40 minutes, but the the social aspect is seemingly lacking, um, but there is like this this difference, there's like a big difference between get being completely immersed in a, in a VR headset, and then augmented reality, like you see the world around you, and they're supposed to be, you know, digital objects per projected in your field of view. But I have yet to see. I also have the um, the Focals by North. That company was. They're. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're. Uh, they have an office in Brooklyn. They were acquired by Google, I think, in 2019 or 2020. So is Google getting back into this? Um, but yeah. So that's what. Again, going back to your question, like that sort of next wave of computing like once we can get away the, the screen is the limitation like your tv when it's turned off is just a giant screen you know your laptop your your phone your computer monitors it's just all these screens that are presenting us with information so what if we rethink that and the information is just sort of in our field of view or the entire world is digitized so yeah that's kind of uh, my thoughts on that dude I love your excitement for it. So I have a question off of AR versus VR. You know, a lot of people say that we're going to go through VR just to get to a really high quality AR. Is that a, a concept you subscribe to? It's, 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 it's weird seeing these rumors about like Apple's doing, you know, a $3,000 VR or AR headset first. Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird sort of line to draw between because like the two, you know, when people just, you know, they put in their clubhouse bio, AR, VR expert, right? I want to break that down a little bit for a second. Like they're, they're similar, but they're also different. Like if I had to guess, I would say that um, VR feels like what should be coming next and then AR feels like what we're trying to work toward 
um, like I, I want to encourage others in the room to Google Humane and go to that website and just sort of like read their mission statement. I think it's like Humane. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're making a lot of promises. This is the company I mentioned before, Buster. That's it's Bethany Bongiorno and, and Imran Chowdhury. Imran was on the original iPhone team, and he made like the grid of apps and like the inertia scrolling. And like this dude is an inventor and a brilliant um, designer. And then his wife Bethany, she led a bunch of uh, software teams at Apple for like ten years. And so they're a husband and wife duo, and they're starting this new tech company. And, like, companies like them that are, you know, sort of building from the ground up, I talked about, but to talk about the ARVR differences, um, I think it would be cool to, you know, have a, a glasses, because, again, I, I had, I wore Google Glass for a while, like, I had these vocals by North, and, and to sort Was of, it like, any good, or was it totally trash? Which one? The, well, I guess whatever the best version of Google Glasses has been. So Glass was cool back then because there was really nothing like it. And it was, you know, this like sort of cyberpunk, like, you know, you, you definitely looked like a cyborg when you were wearing Google Glass. And I, I, I this is when I was working at The Verge. Um, we had gotten as a review unit from Google and we got, Thursday in San Francisco and I asked our reviews editor David Pierce I was like David uh, this is like 2013 Buster to just put some perspective 2013 or 14 I was going to a Justin Timberlake concert um, that weekend and so they overnighted it I got it on Friday and I brought it you know I was living in Rucker at, at in New Brunswick at Rutgers um, at the time when I was working at the Verge um, and I brought it home and like showed it off to all my friends and like just sort of like wore it around and everyone was absolutely fascinated by it. Um, and what's actually cool is I, it's hooked up to my my Google account and so I can scroll back in Google Photos and I have all of these photos and videos of like my first person perspective. And I gotta say, wow. so I, I brought it to the Justin Timberlake concert and and I think this sort of killer app, killer sort of feature experience wearing a headset like that is surprisingly not the screen. Like the, the little prism, the projector that's, you know, that's built in there, that's really cool. Um, and seeing the information in your field of view, like I don't want to take anything away from that. It's cool. But I got to say the ability to have a hands-free camera is kind of game-changing where like you are sort of, you know, when you hold up your phone to take photos like Buster, you know, I, I can't imagine how much content you've captured at basketball games or that sort of thing. It's like you're, you're sort of like blocking your eyeballs, you know, like, yeah, you can hold the phone at chest height and blah, blah, blah. But really to have a, a camera that is totally hands free where Google Glass, you just press the shutter once to take a photo and then you press and hold it and record it, I think, like up to a minute or something. I forget exactly how it works. And it's, it's very similar to Snapchat Spectacles. I have all three, all three generations of Snapchat Spectacles. They are a great pair of sunglasses. And again, the fact that you have a hands-free camera feels so natural where you don't have to hold up, you know, your phone or your camera to capture the moment and you capture it from eye level, from your perspective. And I think that's really special. And what was interesting is 
the the focals um the focals by north i just like to say it by its full name because it's google focals by north they didn't even get to generation two because google acquired them and what's interesting is they they i should when i go to the studio i can tweet a picture out um if anyone's interested in seeing what these glasses look like they look like a very normal pair of glasses whereas google glass had like that that metal band that like you know sat around your head and like the you know sort of the hologram was like this little pivotal like you can pivot the hologram vocals was just a very is a very normal pair of glasses and then it used the same sort of like hologram prism projector thing um to project the display into your field of view but again um the focus looked very you know normal and the google glasses did not interestingly what i was going to say is the focals did not have a camera and i think from a privacy perspective i kind of understand like it could be very intrusive and invasive but from a you know a tech gadget nerd perspective like i definitely want to be wearing a camera on my face um Same. Google, that's so cool <laughs> google what, what's what's kind of wild is glass did not have any indicator that you were recording so you know definitely a breach of privacy no question um spectacles sort of figured it out they had that like um if there's like a led you know light strip that does like a circular sort of like it, it basically tells the people around you that like yo i'm recording video um so it'll be interesting to see you know what companies like apple do they're very you know privacy conscious and i would imagine that you know when they do their ar or vr headset um that there's going to be some sort of camera um so yeah i, I don't really know like there, there's no there there hasn't been any really good ar headsets you know like i i've tried magically i've tried um vocals by north i've tried google glass there's you know intel has their own there's um, you know facebook's working on one but I will say where Oculus is right now with the Quest 2 feels like they are miles ahead um, in the VR space um, where I just look at the, uh, the AR space and it just kind of feels like a wasteland right now. Um, and if there's, if there's an AR headset that I don't know about that someone has that they're like, Sam, you are so fucking wrong, like, let me know. Because I'm <laughs> sort of on the hunt to like find, you know, what's next, what's new. And Buster, like you can attest to this, like your AR headset, it's like, it's so great. It's, it's so, it feels like it's so mature right now. Is it AR or VR? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, That was a great far. You, it's VR, yours is VR. But like for, for again, for you to um, have that right now with no tether, no setup required, I can't think of a, you know, and it's, I don't know if it's fair to make the comparison to AR because they are, you know, kind of different, but yeah, I, I don't, I have yet to see anyone put out a $300 glasses that has an awesome operating system that, you know, has all these apps built into it, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. So this much. Sam and I'm done talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the guest, so you have to keep talking. Um, but you know the the good thing about something like spectacles is the same thing the you know same reason why I like things like GoPro. It's because the passive recording and not having to think about it is so much of it because, like you said, if you're at a game or you're at a concert or you're at whatever I mean, we're talking pre covid stuff um or if you're at a friend if you're doing whatever right 
you're filming, you're so focused on that video. It drives me insane. I think one of the most ridiculous things in the world is when people record fireworks on their phones. Yes. You know, yes. because A, nobody's going to watch that back. And B, it looks like crap. I mean, the video doesn't look good. You know, it's impossible to, to capture that. And then you're so focused on the video, you miss the actual show. And I just feel, I feel bad for the people, although obviously they bring it upon themselves. Um, you know, but something like Snapchat Spectacles or something like the GoPro, that passive recording, so you still get it if you want it, if it's there, particularly for, you know, activities that you really need to be focused. I mean, that's obviously where, where GoPros built their brand, but that's where I really see a, a, a cool use case and where I could see myself using something like that. And yeah, man, that, that's, that's where, like, while you're talking about them, like, maybe I should get the spectacles just for the hell of it. I want to touch, I want to touch on what you said about the passive reporting. Um, I remember at CES, um, Consumer Electronics Show, uh, it had to have been like 2012 or 2013. There was a company called, uh, and, and the name just stuck with me forever, called Looksee. I think it was like L-O-O-X-I-E, and they had this product called Looksee Live, and it was like a blue, like those old school Bluetooth headsets that like all the business people would wear, um, but it was doing, you know, sort of passive recording where you would wear it, and it was just sort of this life cam. I think a lot of companies have tried to do this, but to your point, the passive thing, right? Like imagine you were at a game buster, a basketball game in a post-COVID world and you just get to watch the game and you never have to worry about pulling out your phone and like, you know, just holding it up, getting ready to record where you could have a high quality camera on your face that you're wearing. And then, um, this is what, um, like when I, you know, I have like NVIDIA GeForce on my PC. So if I'm like gaming and I, you know, I, I have a crazy moment, I just press a keyboard command and records the last two minutes. So the looksy thing also, like you can basically, it's like those dash cams or like a, a security camera. It's sort of like always passively recording, but then you can grab like the last 30 seconds and then like actually export that and grab it i think that's a good way of like going back to the basketball game um, example where like if you're at the game and you see you know a crazy dunk you just like you know press the record button or something to tell the camera that like yo save that last 30 seconds that's a good you know that's a good little bite and that's sort of like what i felt with spectacles when you press record on spectacles it records for 10 seconds. You can press, like, you can click, click, and it'll record two 10-second clips. You, you can press click, 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 and it'll record three 10-second clips. And I'm just like, why not let me press record and give me, like, a minute? You know, like, battery is a, a serious limiter there. But I've always felt on spectacles. I mean, I ride my electric longboards through Manhattan. I see a lot of crazy things happen. Um, and I've always want, like, I've tried the GoPro thing. It's just, like, kind of annoying and clunky. Like, I, ha I have a helmet now. It's kind of annoying up there. And, like, remembering to press record. And, like, if it, like, accidentally, you know, falls, you know, it's, like, aiming downward. That sucks. Like, I feel like. The, the glasses as a wearable that could always be recording that you can say, oh, grab the last 20 seconds. That, you know, I just saw something crazy. That, I feel like, would be the sort of killer functionality from 
you know, with my use case and my sort of scenario. But yeah, to your point, like the passive recording thing, I think is, is a good execution of that. Oh, 100%. Now, I'd love to touch on YouTube, uh, because I know you do have to run in a few. Um, you know, the YouTube algorithm is this elusive beast that changes shape. You know, it's sort of, it's sort of like a... a, a, a it's a, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, shape shifting, you know, sometimes great, sometimes bad. What do you think uh, are some of the key things that you should focus on if you're trying to uh, build out a channel? Because I've seen, you know, you've had some, some real big ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's YouTube is really, really tough. I feel like, um, you know, there's some channels, you know, like Eric grew to, I think he's at a million in one year, you know, there, there's definitely, you can point to success stories, but I have been doing YouTube full time for what will be four years this summer. And I've grown from 50,000 to 300,000. So by no means, you know, have I seen, you know, any sort of explosive growth. Um, I think that um, it's really important to understand, you know, what you want to be doing as a creator um, and what sort of audience that you want to be serving. Like, it's important to, um, you know, go in with an idea of like, okay, I want to make videos about X because I'm trying to serve a certain market. and I think uh, the the title and thumbnails is like really obviously really important. You've probably heard that for the last five years, but it's still you know just as true. Like if you go onto your YouTube, you know if you're on YouTube.com on your computer um, and you're signed in and you click your subscriptions and you kind of just like you know scroll through just to see what's you know sort of eye catching like. Mr. Beast, there's a reason why he has 50 plus million subscribers in the last, you know, he's grown in the last two or three years is because his, his title and thumbnail game is unmatched on the platform. And I'm sure you've heard it before. Like there are YouTubers that are spending, you know, an hour, eight hours, you know, thinking about designing thumbnails. Um, it's like, it's, it's really, really important, um, to get people to click on your video. Um, and I've heard Jimmy say it before, um, where he's like, it's not, it's not that much of a, not that big of a secret YouTube. It's like you get someone to click on your video and then they watch the whole video and then, uh, they, you know, they like the video and then they hopefully watch another video of yours or they sort of stay on the platform. Um, YouTube just, it's, it feels really crowded right now. It feels, um, for me, at least in my perspective, it's, it's definitely difficult to grow. Like I've had some, you know, videos go viral. Um, but in terms of like amassing a a large audience, um, it's, it's a, it's a slow and steady thing. And I like to tell myself that, you know, I'm, I'm running a marathon against myself, you know, like I, I have some friends that have, you know, seen wild success on the platform. Like Mark has Brownlee, Casey Neistat, um, where, you know, I sort of, I'm like, dang, you know, I wish, I wish I had more subscribers. Like everyone, obviously everyone wishes they had a bigger audience, but, um, I really think slow and steady wins the race. Like I, I just hit 50,000 followers on Twitter and I vividly remember when I was an 
Engadget intern, I was like, man, if I ever hit a thousand and then I hit a thousand, I was like, wow, this is so awesome. I have a thousand followers on Twitter. And I, back then I told myself when I hit, if I ever hit 10,000, that, that was 10 X from 1000. I was like, I, I'm good. Like if I ever hit 10,000, I'll never care about my followers. And then I really stopped caring. I was like, cool. 10,000, cool. 15, 20. And then I hit 50,000. I was like, wow, I, I, I genuinely never thought I would get here. Um, and I think it's almost like you kind of, you kind of let it go, um, in terms of like being, um, numbers addict and you kind of just like play the game to play the game like obviously it's a business you know it's important to be thinking about these numbers and that kind of thing but i think once you sort of like you know i don't want to say that you should stop caring but once you kind of stop caring i feel like that's when you know this sort of magic happens does that make any sense totally and it's also the significance of building a catalog the same way Essentially, it's the same way all podcasts work, right? Because podcasts by definition and by algorithm are slow compounding uh, things. Nobody's ever had, like, there's no Mr. Beast of podcasts. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Interesting. True, yeah. Joe Rogan did it for 12 years. Years. Yeah. For like 12 years. He did it for like four years before he was even on YouTube. He did it on Ustream live streamed them uh single camera angle in person and now he's just regarded as like the ultimate podcaster it's like from his perspective and his team's perspective it's like dude we've been grinding for years right right and soon decades which is such a crazy concept in internet world because nobody's been doing anything for very long but um but so so I totally hear where you're coming from on that front. And I definitely, I felt the same on the Hoops Nation side, which is the the basketball brand that I started. Um, I remember when I started, I was like, I had a number in mind and then I hit it and I didn't really care. What was the number? <laughs> it was a million. Um, and I did, by the time that I got there, I could have cared less. I don't care about any of that stuff now, especially because my goals have changed. Like by the time that it hit, yes. I wasn't even running it anymore. Like I had a team, like, you know, I, I haven't, I don't even look at Hoops Nation every week, you know, wow. and that's, that's, that's sort of how outsourced it is at this point. But, um, you know, thankfully the team is better than I ever was in much, uh, you know, more, more creative. I'm really only good at like two things in general. And that is, um, showing up and, uh, and, and I like talking to people and everything else, everything else I suck at. (laughs) I I appreciate the honesty here, um, in terms of like, you know, you build Hoop Nation and Hoops Nation. And I, and I, I can probably guess that like when you were working on that, that was like, you cared about that so much and like that was your main focus now but like as you're getting older what you're 20 right now yeah 20 like as as you're getting older um which you're still very young from my 30 year old perspective but um it's like your priority your priorities will change and i think it's important to embrace that and it's like it's okay to like you know start caring about and liking different things you know whereas like for me um when i was working at the verge in my head i was like you know i'm gonna be here forever this is like you know i'm gonna retire here build a career and that was great you know at the time and then all of a sudden i was working at mashable doing snapchat discover doing facebook live doing like you know still sort of in the same realm but like 
with a completely different team and it like you know it was hard for me to leave the verge because you know i sort of grew up there and then you know now even looking back like i don't work at Mashable anymore i've been doing youtube full-time for the last four years so like you know whether it's priorities or your sort of like day-to-day routine I, I i just think it's like it's okay and even good to like embrace the change you know that's like sort of what helps you grow Oh yeah, you got to. You know, if you're not if you're not changing year over year, you're going backwards by default. Um, so you know the the nature of needing to change is the thing that's most exciting. There's a, I think it's a Jay Z line, but it's like you know why why would you work so hard just to stay the same, right? And and I think. I think that definitely speaks volume. But back back to the YouTube conversation, you know, you're building out this catalog and, you know, your quality, which is, you know, higher quality. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. Like, obviously, you're also a tech guy. So I think that's part of it in nature. But, um, but you know, by, by virtue of that, it is catalogable content. I just made that word up, but if it doesn't exist, it should. Um, and that content can then live on another platform. Like if one day Netflix launched collections for people, you could take every video you've ever done from a specific niche and just plop it onto their site. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's, that's, that's exactly what I've found um, is, it, to me, seems like one of the pillars of success for a good youtube channel where you know a a new a new person you know like let's say they find your video excuse me in the side rail or you know anywhere in the algorithm it's recommended to them somehow and they you know they click the video they watch it they enjoy it and they're like oh what other videos does this person have that i think is the sort of like key factor where great you made one good video but you need 15 50 150 other good videos to actually earn you know a a loyal you know sort of new fan or new subscriber where someone you know finds marquez somehow someone doesn't know who marquez brownlee is in 2021 and they watch a you know a samsung review and they're like wow this this dude really you know, knows what he's talking about. I want to see what else he does. And then boom, you know, you can scroll for five, seven years and he has, you know, uh, hundreds of probably uh, videos with millions of views and that building that catalog, I think. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in the sort of growth phase right now with my channel, but I think it's okay. You know, like um, I'm, I'm in a place right now where like, you know, I'm, I have the, you know, the studio that I go to um, that I sort of work out of and make my videos in. Um, and I'm just like, as much as I, you know, want, you know, I want a million views on a video, every video, I want a million subscribers. Like you've heard it before. Like the, the journey is like really where it's at. Like the end goal is great. It's like, once you get there, it's like, okay, now what, you know, but, to to be focused and, and, you know, I hate to use the word grinding, but to like be really grinding, you know, offer a YouTube channel. Um, it's kind of fun, but then also like, I'm, I'm very conscious of being, on you know on tiktok it's important to you know for me as a creator from my perspective it's important to be everywhere you know there's you're if if someone's watching you on youtube there's they probably also have an instagram account and they probably also you know browse twitter so like that's why i've been active on as many social platforms as i can and you know sort of try to remain consistent as well because you know there there's people everywhere you know like if you're big on one platform, you should make sure um, to, to sort of like try and elevate the others. Um, 
Yeah. Dude, so, Mr. I mean to cut this short, but I got to run in like two minutes. No, of course. I was, I was actually just about to close it out, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm totally with you that, that long game is usually uh, where, where the people on social media tend to win because I, I do have a belief that the average influencer career is shorter than the average NFL career. And, Definitely. and uh, I don't think that's something that's talked about very often, but since burnout and there's so many different things that are real and people don't have that long-term approach or they experience explosive growth, it's impossible to maintain that. And you inevitably end up burning out via, you know, the, the suffering of going, of going backwards or going down from a peak point because it's hard to maintain. It's, there's a lot that goes into that, but all in all to say that the average uh, influencer career is very short. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. Um, also, Buster, I definitely like want to just chat with you more, um, like here on Clubhouse. Um, if you know, you I want to kind of pick this up because there's you know we could talk for for hours and hours more. And I know you're really active on Clubhouse, so um, if you ever want to just like start a room and continue just talking about this you know whole thing and bringing more people you know like minded people like us, like I'm absolutely game. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. hundred percent. So everybody, you can find Sam at Sam Sheffer. Uh, that's your handle on every platform, right? Everywhere. Yeah. Amazing. Perfect. Well, I know you got to run, so I'm gonna let you go, but thank you so much for doing this. This was a blast. For sure, Buster. I'll catch you on Clubhouse again soon. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, All right. Have a great day, everyone. All right, everybody. See ya.